You're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Hello, Matt Rebro. How are you doing this fine Tuesday? You know, I'm I'm just relatively quickly getting into the interview. I'm kind of excited because this is a guest that represents a company that's in my space. And ironically, when I space my full-time job, I'm looking out into the office right now and I'm actually seeing some of the, some of the product that this individual actually, uh, when I say product, workstations, desk, chairs, that this per- person may have actually had some input on designing before it eventually is manufactured, now is in an office space. So um, it, this is a little near and dear to me. How about you? Any, uh, what's, what's going on with you? No, I love, I, every person that you bring on to, to the podcast or that we find, it's just, it opens up a whole new door and brings back an experience for me that I can relate back to. And so this one for me, I had to, down in North Carolina, put together a whole space um, with new cubicles, chairs, all of those things. And to be honest, I didn't think as much about ergonomics or about that particular thing at that time. And so I go back and I'm hoping that I can now going forward use the information that Lauren is gonna bring to us today um, and to maybe some other people who who are designed or or not designed, but um, given that task and didn't think about that particular piece of a chair you sit in, a desk you sit at and those types of things. So really excited to have Lauren on today with us. Welcome Lauren Gant, Senior Ergonomics and Wellness Strategist from H&I to a real piece of work, the job podcast for young people. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Joy. I'm really excited to be here. Hey, Lauren. We're so excited to have you as well. So, so Lauren, help us out a little bit. You work for a company called H&I. I'm kind of curious what they do. But then secondly, maybe more appropriate for our audience here, what, what does it mean to be an ergonomics and wellness strategist? <laughs> it's a mouthful, isn't it? So (laughs) actually, uh, let me start with your first question. H&I is a manufacturer of office products. So things like tables and chairs and the the filing systems and the lounge furniture that you might see in an office come from H&I. My specific role at H&I, my my purpose there is really um, trying to foster environments, trying to think about health and comfort and a sense of safety and ultimately creating spaces where people can be innovative, be creative, feel good about how they're working and um, ultimately be productive at work. So, you know, we spend so much time as adults at work um, that we really, I'm really thinking about how do we make those activities, you know, at minimum, not hurting the humans that are doing them and ideally can we actually be working to promote health in those environments and and when i talk about health i think about it physically but also mentally and emotionally and so in my role um i'm doing that through the design of office products you know things like seating and work surfaces but also working with teams that design spaces um, so we can be thoughtful about how we're just setting up environments to be more mindful of well-being and being more inclusive 
And I also work with people and clients outside of our organization to help them develop strategies and programs around these topics of ergonomics and well-being and inclusiveness. So this kind of gets a little bit into my wheelhouse, my full-time job. And so I'm kind of curious with what you just described and knowing where wellness in general has gone in recent years, would you say that roles like yours with whether it's for a manufacturer or other corporations, has that evolved? Is that, is, is that, was that job even around five and 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah, great question. I had this, a similar role. I, I've uh, moved through the ranks a little bit, but I've had the similar, similar role for about 10 years. Um, so I've been in it for a while, but I will say I have never been busier than in 2020 when health and wellness and how we work and how we do that safely and in a healthy way, you know, really came to the forefront. And, um, you know, we can talk about silver linings of 2020 and, you know, there was lots of sadness and bad things that came out of that. But one of the silver linings, I think, is that this idea of, of health, healthy spaces is no longer just a nice, nice to have. It's, it's really a requirement in the office. It's things people are looking for when they, when they sign up for jobs, when they tour spaces. Um, so from my perspective, that's, that's one of the, the good things that has come out of it. So yes, I would say it involved, it hasn't evolved. It's not, you know, just, am I going to get hurt at work, but am I going to feel supported? Am I going to have a good work-life balance? Am I going to be able to speak up and say my opinions and, and do that without fear of um, any negative feedback? Those, those sorts of ideas too. So what I love right now is Matt brings these new people to the show all the mm -hmm. time and their positions and things I would never even cross my mind, right? But I'm curious, especially the the kids maybe who are listening in or parents, whoever's listening in, but how and why, how did you get to this point and, and why did you pick this particular field? What was it that, I don't know if it was a light bulb moment or the aha, what, at what point in time did you decide that's kind of the, the path that you wanted to take on? Um, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't think there was ever a moment when I was in school, in high school or in college where this job was what I was thinking of, the job that I have now. I sort of took a, a winding path to get here. I had tried out some things in college. I um, have a degree in biomedical engineering. And first I started studying cardiovascular biomechanics. I thought that was really interesting and, and sort of, I don't know, had some sort of prestige to it and, and felt really important and valuable. And it is, and I did it and I hated it. Uh, you know, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, I felt really removed from it in some sense, like I was running all these simulations. Um, and so I started talking to different professors and different people about, you know, I, I like this general field, but I want to feel more connected and how do I get that? And so ergonomics was really where I found that, that I could think about humans and think about this bio bio system of a human, um, but do that in a way that I could talk to them. I could immediately have that instant gratification of like, let's try to fix your job a little bit and have you feel better at the end of the day. Um, so I kind of stumbled upon it, um, this, this world of ergonomics. Um, and, this, and then when I started working in my profession, I very quickly realized that um, 
I like ergonomics. I still love this field, but I need to be thinking more holistically about humans. So I can't just think of the body system. I also have to be thinking about the the mental health of people and the way they interact with people and and the culture in the workplace. And really, that's where this wellness lens um, came through. So I've really sort of um, I, it was never the plan to do this, but it's been a great fit. And I kind of found my way through trial and error, if that makes sense, Joy. I love it. I think trial and error, honestly, it, it's it's a great piece to add in because I think it's important for everyone, not just the kids, to 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 listen to those things. When when something's telling you, I hate it, I don't like it, that's okay. Pay attention to it and then be curious and ask the questions like you did. So I think it's a great story. And honestly, it's it's one that I think as you're talking about the body and the mental space and all of that, um, you know, sitting in a chair in the space that you're in is not just about the physical thing that's there, right? It's it's what it does to the mind to be able to allow you to to elevate in some form or fashion, which you clearly yes. have done done very well. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I I wanna say too, like, even if you change directions in your education or if you start doing something that's totally different than when you learned in college or in high school, it, that is not a wasted activity. There's, there was so much that I learned in, in those classes, in those spaces, with those people that I carried with me. And the work that I'm doing might be totally different, but that doesn't mean it was not a valuable experience that, that got me there. And I think that point you made about, about the work you're doing being valuable is really great too, because I mean, frankly, it did take me a minute to get there to say, like, I'm going to be designing chairs, um, like how I want to help society. But but when I think when I reframe it, when I really look at it and say, actually, I can impact the way somebody feels day to day by being thoughtful about this, I can impact their um, the way they go home at the end of the day and spend their time with their family like that feels like a, a good cause to me. So finding not only what feels good to you, but what you feel good doing too, um, and how, how you relate to it that way. So Lauren, you know, our target audience are high school students, and uh, we thought it'd be nice today if maybe one of our junior achievement students could provide you a question. And so we've got an Ava Spalding, and ironically, this Ava is from Muscatine, and H&I, correct me if I'm wrong, is from Muscatine, Iowa. And so Ava Spalding's got a question for you that we'd love for you to answer. Perfect. This is Ava Spalding. I go to Muscatine High School and I plan on studying molecular biology at Cornell College. My question for you is what are some specific examples of how you use your college studies to perform on the floor at your job? That's a great question, Ava. And I think, you know, we touched about uh, on that a little bit. I definitely learned specific tools and principles in my education that I do use from day to day. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, it's really it's really about learning to learn that I think I I benefited the most from. Um, so so even though what I am doing today looks a little bit different than what I studied. Those, those ideas that I know how to do research, I know how to present data, I know how to talk to different audiences, um, those can really be things that you take away from the education too. Um, so, so I like to think of my education as sort of me finding a springboard into a career that I found to be really compelling. 
and fun. So I guess your career, your education can definitely define what you do in your career. You can, if you love what you have done in college, that can definitely be what you do in your career. I, you know, if there is a market for it, right? Um, if you, if you can find that, but it doesn't have to either. Um, you know, you can find something that that feels good to you too. And I say that to offer some comfort because I think in this moment of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? It can be, it can feel so heavy and so scary. And um, I would have found it. I I probably did find somebody probably said it to me. My my dad probably said it to me. But what you do now does not have to define what you do. 10 years from now, um, you just have to figure out what the next best step is and, you know, keep monitoring how you're, how you're feeling about it. And um, you can evolve that as you go. I think we should make that a Lauren Gant quote. I love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. So Lauren, along with the education, because it, it is kind of, it's very important. The things that you learn, like you said, it's not just it's not just the math and the chemistry and all of those things that you apply, but it's it's the communication skills and, and everything surrounding that. But I always look to mentors. I think that along the way, in addition to the education, the mentors, the people that we meet along the way do make a, a great impact in our decisions. So do you have any specific people, mentors that along the way have helped you get to where you're at or that you still maybe even rely on from time to time? Yeah, I mean, I would say my my parents were my first mentors and really expressing the education, the importance of education, the importance of hard work, um, the importance of following what you felt was the right path. Um, you know, the, so that I still rely on them quite heavily for advice. Um, and I remember in my very first job, finding mentors um, to help me even with the day-to-day -day mechanics of how things work. So I remember showing up to my very first real job meeting in which I had to present coming out of school and having, you know, 50 minutes of data and <laughs> all the research that I'd done. And um, it just was the, the worst meeting. It was it was so bad. It was like crickets and people left. I, I was so embarrassed. and. I could have gone back to my desk and felt bad about it all day, but I pulled somebody out of that meeting and I said, help me. Like that didn't feel good. I don't want to do that again. How do I move forward? And um, this woman really, you know, became my mentor. Uh, she, you know, taught me to trust myself, to trust how I communicated, to take up space in a room. Um, you know, so those those job related things, but also the way that you can feel confident in the office as well. So Lauren, one of the reasons I reached out to you um, for this interview was because I have a daughter and I want her to realize that there's a variety of different options that are maybe traditional and non-traditional based upon sometimes gender roles. And so uh, I saw something online that I think, again, caught my eye about things that maybe you're doing inside and outside of H&I in your full-time role. Could you expand a little bit about some of the initiatives that you're focused on? Yes, yes. Me and a coworker um, at H&I, her name is Candace Jepkis, started a employee resource group called Women in STEM. Um, and this, uh, an employee resource group is basically a group of people who just have some, some affinity together. We have something in common or we want to support a common goal 
um, and we we just meet and um, figure out the best way forward. So Candace and I started this group because we know that it is important for us to be representing STEM to all kiddos, but especially to, to females who may, you know, there's some statistics that show that by age of the, by the sixth grade, girls decide whether they're good at math or not. And that felt like it's, that's too young to decide if you're good at math or if you like math. Um, so we wanted to, to, to have conversations internally um, with each other about what it's like to be a woman in the STEM field, but also do outreach into the community, into our schools to really celebrate STEM, to, to make it feel exciting, make it feel accessible. And Candace is really leading a lot of efforts to um, get robotics into Muscatine schools. She's got this great program that um, she's made available to, to those kiddos and we get to volunteer. And um, it's really inspiring. I watched this little girl um, when I was volunteering in Candace's program, I watched her pick up the, the little remote to steer a, a robot and immediately set it down and said, I can't do this. And then I, I watched her in the corner kind of pouting for the rest of the, the robotic session. And afterwards I said to her, do you want to give it one more try? And she said, yeah. And she, she did it. She drove it and her little arms flew in the air. It was like a Disney movie. I was like, we did it. Like she may not do STEM. She may not like STEM, but she at least knows she can. And she at least knows it's an option. Um, so, so that's exciting. So doing some outreach like that is great. Love that. I certainly love that. So Joy, any other burning questions that you may have for uh, Lauren before we do one of our traditional wrap ups? I could probably go on for hours talking with Lauren, but no, I, I think we'll uh, we'll take it to the next, the, our last question. Sure. So Lauren, yeah, Lauren, this has been great. And I'm sure the listeners are going to love what they've heard so far, but we always wrap up with a question that says, anything, you anything that you would tell 16 year old Lauren to keep doing, stop doing and start doing to increase the, you know, the chances for post high school success and happiness. I love, I love that. Keep doing, stop doing, start doing. What I would tell 16-year-old Lauren to keep doing is to keep working hard, to keep, keep learning. I, I still try to learn something new every day. Um, to keep trying to think about how you work best. How do you retain knowledge best? How do you need to focus? Um, you know, thinking about how you work and how you learn will help you continue to do those things as you move on to the next stages. The thing I would tell 16-year-old Lauren to stop doing is to stop worrying so much and being so hard on yourself. I know that's really easy, you know, perspective makes that easy to say, but um, I would tell her to especially stop worrying about how she's about other people's perceptions of her, or, or maybe even just defaulting to what other people are, you know, what the outside world may say over her own feelings of what the right direction is. Um, I read a quote the other day that said, it's not your responsibility to live up to other people's expectations of you. So really looking inward about what you want and what you need and um, things will work out if you keep working at them. Uh, and then what I would say start doing is really start considering your mental health 
just as much as you're considering your physical health, uh, because mental health is such um, such an important element of overall health. It's a, such a privilege, and uh, we shouldn't be ne neglecting that either. Well, Lauren, I love the answer, and you truly are a real piece of work, and we <laughs> appreciate you being on the program with us today. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you, Lauren. Thanks, Joy. Appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Matt, for bringing Lauren to us. Very curious, um, as I always am, as to what your takeaways were from this interview with Lauren. Well, it, again, this one hit, hit, a, hit a little closer to home uh, on a variety of levels. I think the, the, the STEM and focus for girls in uh, non-traditional jobs that for whatever reason they may perceive they shouldn't be in. Um, I love the fact that uh, Lauren is really getting out there, getting into the schools, let girls know there are other options that they should be exploring and considering that could be make them really happy. And the other thing that just kind of jumped out to me was that um, it's clear that she has a purpose um, about health, comfort, and safety that I think my gut says drives her every day for what she does. And for the listeners out there, if you have a tough time showing up to work on a daily basis without a purpose, then it may just be quote unquote a job and there's nothing wrong with the job per se but if you want a career and something that really inspires you waking up and knowing you have a purpose for walking in the door every day to your job i think it's really helpful so what do you anything jump out to you joy there were two i think the first one that stuck out to me is just her recognizing when she walked out of that first meeting that she didn't like how it felt and to be able to to know that she could just pull someone aside and ask for help. I think that's really hard sometimes, especially for someone coming straight out of college and not knowing who you can ask, what can't what can you ask, what can't you ask, what's gonna make me look stupid for lack of better terms, right? And so um I, I love that she did that and I think that's a great example and something to to tell the people who are listening in. Um, and just also her uh, stressing the importance of not just your physical health, but your mental health as well. That's always a near and dear one to my, to my heart, I guess. And so I think especially right now that there's a lot of focus that needs to be put on those things too. So it's back to what you said about her why though, um, I think that that it shows in the work that she's doing and in what she's telling us. And so I, I'm very thankful that we have her on the podcast and hope that other listeners tuning in will get something from her as well. Well, as always, Joy, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to the next one with you.